So welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast and we're delighted to be doing another creator interview today. So your host is always Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast, uh, joined as always by Keith. Good evening, how are you sir? I am not too bad Alan, not too bad at all. Weather has been weather has been great So, and I got a, I got a, a weekend uh, up on the Stendhal Festival uh, site just ahead of uh, the hopeful first music festival and in Ireland on the 9th and 10th of July, so so fingers crossed for that. What about yourself? I'm all good, yeah. Just come from a, a day at the store, just uh, bagged and boarded all of this week's new releases, all pull lists are ready, and we'll be uh, setting up for a new comic book day tomorrow. But you, you, it's interesting you talk about the heat there, as we're going to be talking to someone who, by his own admission before this interview, told us that where he lives is hotter than hell. So uh, today we are chatting with one of the industry's brightest artists, don't take our word for it, just ask Marvel, who included him in their 2020 Stormbreakers, their way of showing the next generation of elite artists. To give you an idea of the talent involved in that 2020 class, think Patrick Gleason, Peach Momoko, Juan Cabal, and our guest today. He's worked with some of the best writers around too, including Nick Spencer, Benjamin Percy, Rodney Barnes, Donny Cates and Al Ewing. Clearly his reputation precedes him. Today we're going to chat all about his career, what titles got him interested in the industry, what it's like playing in Jonathan Hickman's playground, and what the future holds. We may even find out what some of his favourite comics of all time are. It is our absolute pleasure to introduce you to Joshua Cassara. Good evening, and how are you, sir? Or good morning, I should say to you. Well, and, and good morning to you, Alan. Keith, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. So uh, you're, based, uh, you're based, you said, in the California high desert, Joshua? Yep. Uh, like I said, hotter than Hades. It's, uh, it's, I hit the extremes of weather in the winter. It'll even, it'll snow, um, a little bit. And then right now it's, yeah, a, a, a Fahrenheit. It's, it's over hundred degrees already. And it's only 1040 in the morning here. <laughs> so. I was talking about the sunshine in here, but we don't get anywhere near that. Um, have you, have you always lived in that, in that part of the world or? Yeah, I grew up in California, just south of L.A., like the L.A. suburbs, and uh, uh, grew up there, graduated high school there, and then moved down to San Diego uh, for college, and went down to college there, but then stayed there for a long time after a while, just working and living down there, and just, I mean, San Diego's an amazing uh, place that uh, I lived for a long time, and I would love to maybe go back there a lot, but my wife and I and our family, we still just take a ton of trips there. And of course, San Diego Comic-Con every year is uh, somewhere I've been going since I was actually a little kid. I think I went, I was first when I was 13 was the first time I went. So I've been going for a long, long time now. You're making us jealous because, I mean, <laughs> we've, uh, I think we never had the pleasure and the, the Comic-Cons over here are a slightly, slightly different experience, but uh, it's definitely been an interesting year or two, you could say, uh, Joshua. I mean, how have you coped and adapted to lockdown restrictions and working and, and life in general? Well, I'm, I'm sure every, maybe every artist, maybe even every writer would probably tell you the same, not much changed for us. <laughs> you know, I already work from home. And so the world for me did not really change much. And even my, my wife and my family, except for our daughters, you know, they had to be home instead of going to school. So it really wasn't that much. It was just that then it was starting to creep in of not being able to go out and, and, and feeling that, and then worried about, um, I had family that's more in some more high traffic cities and stuff like that. And you worry about them and out and about, um, being like first responders and stuff. So there was just that stress. And then it finally, we thought we did pretty well, but just about 
right towards the end of things, as things are opening up now, it, we just kind of felt, we started really feeling it like we need to get out. We need uh -huh. to be, it would just be, we, we've only been around each other and just be out in the world and talk to other human beings, you know, in person. So, um, you know, we, we, we did really well. Um, but now it feels really good that things seem to be opening up now. Yeah, I mean, Definitely. it's it's interesting working in this industry, you know, from both sides, obviously, as a retailer and as a creator yourself, because, you know, the personal life certainly suffered a lot in the last year and a half and a lot of, you know, people struggled and so forth. But professionally, you know, we sort of spent a few weeks feeling sorry for ourselves at the start, but then we got to work and we started working on the website and reaching out to creators for podcasts and trying to utilize the time well. I mean, it, it's obviously horrible, the circumstances, but professionally you know has it sort of benefited your work you know are you a lot did it give you more time to focus more on the creative process at first no at, at the very beginning i remember when things really shut down and it seemed really scary right it seemed like it was spreading and there was some just really bad news and things when when sport league shut down, when disneyland shut down that that told me you know when big businesses <laughs> are like we're shutting down and we're gonna forego billions of dollars a day or whatever it's like okay this is a big deal i remember there was a a page just a page of X-Force that I had to do. And it took me, I think, even more than a week just to do one page. Um, it was just a crawl. And it wasn't, I wasn't trying to. It just, I, nothing was coming out. I had nothing coming out of me. I wasn't able to visualize anything. And so it, it, it was like a crawl from there. And it slowly ramped up as you kind of, you know, we figured out how we were going to handle it and, and, you know, kept kept ourselves safe. And we realized that we will be safe and we can, we'll be just fine. And I think then mentally those blocks started coming away. And then, you know, same thing with the writer I'm working with, with Ben, you know, we'd have these conversations about it and, and he did the same. He seemed to be a little bit, I don't know how to say it, but, and then we started, it started firing, you know, it started building up and then it seemed to go firing on all cylinders. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think everybody had the, had the same experience. I mean, I work in a, in a very different industry. I work in, in music, but not on the creative side and uh, more on the office side. And uh, I think everyone had that, that moment where productivity just dipped and it was, and it was hard to, it was hard to get going, hard to keep going. How, how over that, over that period, Josh, did you, did you, did you keep yourself seeing? We were all, you know, went to Netflix and so forth. Any favorite TV shows, any favorite things to do or books to read or, um, you know, I listen to a lot while I'm working. I don't, I don't really sit down and I can't fall like my wife will just, you know, a new show, you know, she just, she watched Sweet Tooth and however many hours Sweet Tooth is, you know, um, when something new will come on, you know, she'll be able to binge it and watch it all. And I can't do that. Um, and I don't really like to put on new shows while I'm working because I'll catch myself looking up. I can watch old stuff, you know, if, if you know, I could play Jaws or Raiders of the Lost Ark or The Godfather or, over and over again and because I, I already know what the, I know everything that's going to happen and I know all the visuals so I don't need to look up to, to do that so I really tend to shy away from new things um, I like documentaries if you guys were like uh, a Ken Burns uh, oh yeah a lot of yeah. It, it, it's most it's almost all based Americana but you know it'll hit a lot of other things to a lot of history and I'll there and plus they're you know anywhere from six to ten hours long so I will just madly consume those over and over too i thoroughly enjoyed that that was the west the wild west yes. one that he did was was phenomenal and i think was yeah. there a, was there a prohibition era one too there was there's prohibition yeah. i just did um, i just listened to the one about jazz ah, and yeah. uh and actually the west was one of the one that surprised me the most because it's even as an american 
there's a lot of stuff that's not taught about American history mm -hmm. that I really got to go into pretty deep, especially regional. I get like I had an old roommate from the East Coast where his, you know, historical, uh, you know, schooling was much different than mine. His was much more Civil War based and mine is much more, you know, California based. And it was just interesting talking with him about what he learned about and what he had no idea about. So watching the, the Ken Burns West one did the same for me. Yeah, I mean, we have a we have a very similar uh, situation in, in, in Northern Ireland and in the UK where some of us sort of learn, learn English history and some of us learn Irish history. And, you know, it's, uh, but uh, whenever you're talking about that, it, it casts my mind back to, uh, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. Uh, it's a, it's a, a fantastic uh, book. I can't remember just off the top of my head the author, but about effectively, you know, colonization. Uh, of yep. the of the U.S. and how the how the Native Americans were were treated by the the incoming Europeans, mm -hmm. it's uh, highly recommended if you enjoy the West. Uh, you nice. know, highly recommend it. So yeah, I, I'll try to do like audiobooks. It's tough for me to just read books. I, I actually just started recently uh, reading books to to before bed. Uh, like I'm reading about Mesoamerican art right now and wow. um, just kind of taking my mind away from the the, the stuff that I do on the day to day. Uh, just kind of more realism, I guess. Yeah, I think that I think actually very. I, I listened to "Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee" as well on a, mm -hmm. as an audiobook. So okay, perfect. see if I can see if I can find a link for you, please. Yeah, I struggle with audiobooks. I one of the big gaps in my comic reading history collection is Sandman, and I've only just recently started reading. I collected all the Absolute editions, and I know the audiobooks are coming out, but. I don't know, just, I, I can't do it. Just audiobooks, I, I can't visualize. I, I need that art in front of me, which, of course, should be music to your own ears. I mean, redirected it back to comics, of course. I mean, you know, hopefully your bosses won't hear this, but the big question always has to be, DC or Marvel guy? Or, or indeed, indie comics? I mean, I you know, my earliest stuff was like Marvel. I mean, the very first book I picked up was Gru by Sergio Aragonis. Mm -hmm. uh, with, uh when I was a little kid at the liquor store, the little spinner rack, it's the very first book. I still have it. I actually even had Sergio sign it at a convention one day and it was nice. awesome. Uh, and from there it was like Marvel, some early X-Men stuff. Uh, and so I guess my, of course I've always known about Batman and Superman, but I think the books I bought the most were Marvel books when I was little. And then, but I'm also, a, you know, my greatest influence, I'm a child of the image boom. Too. That's that's right when I was, you know, what, 12, 13, 14. And that's when I first went to San Diego Comic-Con when I was 13. And those guys were rock stars. And what they were doing was just, you know, I still I still uh, I still love looking at it. And it and it inspires me and, and it blows me away, like how um, how creative and how when they jumped and did their thing, you know, some of it's shaken out really well for them or not. And I I still love it. Yeah, I think, it's still going. I think that was the yeah. most oh, recent yeah. most recent documentary I watched was The Image Revolution, you know, and it was just thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining, so it was. I'd be really curious, actually, to know what Comic-Con was like for you as a 13-year-old in San Diego versus the absolute monster it is now. I mean, when you were 13, 14, you were saying those guys are rock stars. They were the focus of it, I'm guessing, then? Yeah, well, I mean, even then, San Diego was a monster. You know, it was still, like, I think maybe the biggest convention uh, maybe that or Chicago, but so it was already a, a monster and, but it still only took up maybe not even half the space of that, it, what it does now. Mm -hmm. But back then it was, it was enormous. And, and yes, those guys were treated like rock stars, but all the different books and all that now the indie books, because all I ever saw was what was at the, the, the corner store or now, and even now comic shops, I started getting into going to comic shops, my local comic shop in Southern California. 
in, but seeing that now you got to see your exposure to a lot of indie books uh, when you go to the convention and you buy them directly from, you know, from, from the actual artists and the writers themselves or buying a, a print. There's a, there's an artist named Aaron Lopresti. I remember I bought a Venom print from him and he's been, I mean, he's still, he's still rocking and doing amazing work, but like, I think mostly DC. And I remember I still have it and it was incredible then. And then I moved down to San Diego after high school and I had gone to Comic Con for a couple of years through high school. I missed a couple of years because I had, I played football and that was during summertime uh, during Comic Con. I was I missed it, but then I moved down to San Diego to go to college and I went every year and I just it just kept growing and growing. And then I think it was around 2007, eight or nine mm-hmm. was when it just blew up. You know, before you could just walk right up for the day, you'd walk right up and just buy your ticket and you can literally turn around and buy your ticket for next year. Go like, okay, you just reserve your ticket. We didn't even have to worry about that. And then when it just blew up and it was like, then in the matter of a year or two, it became impossible to even get tickets to go to. Um, but I found the one, um, the one loophole is you literally make your own book (laughs) and you apply because you have, and you self publish it, you publish a book and you can sign up for it. Cause, uh, for, if you're uh, a creator, you can get a free pass to Comic Con. So, and you guys as, as media guys too, I think you guys can get your free pass too. That's uh, that is very generous of you calling us media guys, Joshua. Very generous. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I was uh, I lived in I was lucky enough to live in Chicago, uh, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, and I got to at the time it was it was Wizard World, yeah, uh, Chicago. Uh, I got to that, so that was that was that was quite a quite an experience. Um, you know, there was a lot going on, but you were still able to buy your ticket at the door, you know, that sort of way. Yeah. Uh, but it was uh, it's something that something I would I would love to go back to, especially. Especially now we are doing a wee bit more more work in the in the industry, as you say. But you've you've alluded a couple of times now, Joshua, to being into comics since you were since you were a kid and, and going to the cons. You know, from from you at the time you were eleven years old. What was it that attracted you to comics in that in that at that first instance? Um, I I I like I mean art. I guess it was the first thing. It was, it's visual, just the cover. I don't know why I bought I bought Gru, but he just looked cool. I mean, it's a little bit cartoony, and I love the book. It was just this amazing adventure. This first book, it was Gru number fifty-eight, and he is this giant boat that's basically like an island, and he goes off and Gru's adventures where he, you know, people hire him to save the world or save their little local situation, and but he always messes it up. Uh, but it was just. I could see it visually. It was not, it wasn't a kid's book. There was a lot of action too. And I love drawing. So I immediately wanted to like draw that too. And so I would copy everything that I saw and I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I had so many different interests, but I, I really, that was one of them. I played sports. I, you know, I, I skateboarded, uh, there's all kinds of things that I did, but I always had that. And I always had drawing as my way uh, when I was at home and I was indoors and, and comics. I just, I love the comic art. And then seeing the way when you can see Wolverine was drawn and just like these cool, like lines, like these cool line drawings. I loved it. And I, I didn't understand how any of it was made. I didn't understand coloring. I didn't understand what inks were, you know, I'd say this is a pencilist, a penciler and an inker. I had no idea what that meant. I thought penciling was the inks, just the black and white art. And then there was a colorist and, um, but I was fascinated by it and I loved, yeah, I love that. It seemed, I guess when I was that young, a little more adult and because of the action and, and mm-hmm. a lot of the Marvel books had. I'm guessing you learned the distinction between a pencil and an anchor by watching Chase and Amy, just like the rest of us. 
Correct. <laughs> I thought that would be the case. I mean, was it always comic art you wanted to do, or did you have you know all types of art in in your mind, or was it very was it laser focused? I want to be a comic artist. There was never any laser folks that I wanted to be a comic artist. It was just my main influence in the stuff that I would generally read. Well, reading is a very kind term. I would about 70% of the books I've bought, I've never read because I would just buy them to look at the art. Uh, that's, I'm very guilty of that. A lot of the, the big classics that everyone has read, I've never actually read before. I say, yes, I've read them. And I've just, I would buy them just to look at the art. And so I would just follow certain artists and, uh, maybe follow along the story just visually, but a lot of times not even read the, the dialogue at all. <laughs> and, but, but it's big influence, but I wasn't super hardcore into, I'm going to become a comic book artist. It was just always a hobby of mine on the side. And it always has been up until literally right before I got older and decided I was going to do it. I, I, I tried a little bit. I've, I finally found out they were like on 11 by 17 pages. And, and I, I was wondering how how they could even do, it. and even bigger. A lot of some people even were bigger. And I I found I got I was able to buy some comic book pages, and I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna try this out. And, and I kind of studied, and I saw like submission guidelines, and and then comic, you know, like Comic Con, or I went to WonderCon, and bring them. And I was still like in high school or, or just after, and I was terrible, and no idea what I was doing, no idea that they would take these guys 10, 15, 20 hours to even just do one page. I would do it in like two hours and think, God, this is taking forever. I didn't understand how much actual work was involved. And so, you know, I would get some nice comments and things um, and it just kind of went away, but I'd still always read comics and I really wasn't drawing much comics, but I was like, if I was ever just sitting down and sketching, I would sketch a lot of comic influence stuff. And I still always read comics. I still went to the comic book store. I still went to Comic-Con every year, but it wasn't until like many years after like college, I was bartending in San Diego and I really didn't kind of know what I was doing with my, myself and my life is when I met my now wife who, when we started dating, like, you know, she started seeing some of my artwork you know I'd painted and all kinds. she's like you know she's like oh that's so cool like I love your paintings and things and and also oh here's like my comic book folder like stuff of the comic book drawings and she thought it was so cool and was like why didn't this is really good why didn't you ever why, why aren't you doing that and I'm like I never really tried hard enough I didn't know like what was involved in it and but I realized I always had a heart with comics I always just loved the medium and so I sat down and drew a Magnus robot fighter and I took like eight to 10 hours um, to draw it. I did a, like a, I did a blue line sketch first and then I did it. And it just the difference of actually putting in the effort and studying some other artists and what they were doing. And I was like, wow, okay, this is cool. And now I see like, I could maybe do something like this. And so I just kept doing it, practicing, practicing all the time. And I gave myself a challenge. I did a, um, I did a, a 30 page book, just a black and white, just a silent book about um, a, uh, a Japanese soldier who was deserted on an island after World War II, who doesn't know the war is over. And it was called Taka. I just just did this as a challenge myself. I wrote up the script and thumbnailed it out for myself. And even though I'm still working, I'm working super late nights and I would just draw all day. I would wake up early and I would schedule. I said, I have a deadline. I had a two month deadline and I'm gonna draw this whole book and I'd wake up early and drew, you know, try to keep like the same schedule a real artist would. I would draw all day and then just do it, I follow along. I totally hit my deadline. And the moment I was done, I'm like, this is something I wanna do. Like, I wanna tell another story. And I just can't wait to tell another story. 
so part of me didn't know where to jump of, should I just keep creating my own stories or now should I just try to do like some sample stuff and try to get my work, you know, try to get my hand, my work in the hands of editors or get some, some eyeballs on it. So for those, that was like the first Comic-Con, there were some friends there and I brought my little self-published book um, with them. His name is Pat Loika and a bunch of, a group, a group of all his friends, they had, they had a big table at a, at San Diego Comic-Con and they let me come sit in and sell my book and I think I sold two copies. But it was just a, such a cool experience to have that and somebody actually buying it and putting it out there in the world was so cool that I created something out of my head. And so after that, I just, I'm going to keep doing this. This is something I really want to do. And I concentrated. I pretty much cut out a lot of my social life and made that a point of I'm going to do this and started putting my work in the hands of editors. I'm getting some pretty good feedback. And I kind of forced my work into the hands of an editor at uh, Titan Books. Uh, his name is well, his name is Steve White. He's an amazing artist um, in his own right, and he just he liked my stuff. And he, here's my contact info. And you know, I think less than a year later, I was doing some work with Titan Comics. Well, and I just uh, just moved on from there. Just yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just seems like I, I started doing work with them. And not too long after, um, uh, Tom Brevoort from Marvel emailed me saying like, Hey, I saw this, uh, I saw this, uh, what you're doing over there and see if you wanted to get in the mix over here at Marvel. So it was actually happened pretty quickly. Once I was, once I was in the door, that's, that's a nice, uh, that's a nice email uh, yeah. to receive. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. It was, and I, this weird, so I, I did, I did an issue of new Avengers number seven right away. Like they didn't even give me, um, like a sample script or anything. They're like, I've got this, um, I got this issue we need, you know, over, I think it was, it was over like the holidays. So I think, you know, probably our regular artists needed the break over the holiday. So I jumped in and did it. And I had already committed to another book with Titan. And, um, you know, I'm like, sorry. And Tom was like, okay, well, I've got this, I've got more stuff that we can do. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, I'm no. already, yeah, but that's okay. You know, and I said, you know, I have this commitment. I've, I've done the, you know, he absolutely respected that. You know, he's, he appreciated that I would do that instead of just jump, jump ship too. Yeah. And, uh, so I went off and did that thing, but I'm always like, man, if, you know, I wonder if I just kind of lost that chance. I wonder if they even thought of me anymore. And the, one of those just weird providential things, like I was literally thinking about, I'm like, it's, it's getting into towards summertime. And I'm like, I haven't heard from them and I should email him just to say, Hey, I'm ending on this project. I might have opening in the fall. I I'm excuse my language. I shit you not. <laughs> I'm like typing up my search for like my former emails of his name. And hey, as man. I type it in, he literally had emailed me and his name popped up as a unread thing. And I'm like, Holy crap. I missed an email that he sent me at some point, but no, he literally had sent me an email right at that moment or within those, within those moments. So like, you know, within a couple of minutes of me looking it up, it's just the universe conspiring, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, it was just like, Hey, you know, you, uh, you're up for more. What's your schedule like? And, and then since then I've just been with Marvel the whole way. I mean, so, I mean, self-taught, self-motivated, that's, that's fantastic. That that's, that's a real, that's a real great, real great story. I appreciate you. Appreciate you relating it to us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's uh, let's chat a wee bit about uh, about your, your process and, and the, some of the stuff you're you're working on at the minute. Um, obviously, we we know uh, we're very familiar with the fact you're working with a Mr. Ben Percy, personal yeah. favorite of ours. Yeah, what ben is Percy. <laughs> Sorry. 
So, uh, yeah, you were mentioning it to us earlier on. He's got something of a, a Tom Waits timber to his voice. Correct. Correct. That's right. <laughs> so, what is it? What is it like working with working with Ben? Uh, how does that How does that work? You know, it's. It, I said, I said you guys before the interview. You know, when Marvel paired us up about X Force. So Marvel, I was, I was working on. I was jumping around, kind of putting out fires like uh, at Marvel. Like I know I didn't had. I had. I had done Falcon with Rodney Barnes, and we had our we had our run. And then and since then, I had kind of jumped around. I did uh, the Sentry, and I jumped onto like Venom, and and kind of filling in and i did like a star wars short story and i got an email from marvel like hey do you want to be in the mu do you want to be in marvel or do you want to be in the star wars universe kind of like where 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 your where's your head at and i'm like okay well you know maybe they're you know there's maybe some editors and i get star wars or marvel are asking about me or something just seeing my availability i said my heart i love star wars i grew up a big star wars fan but my heart i think is more with with, with marvel with the marvel universe and and then so it seems like a couple weeks later, like, hey, we've got this thing with Jonathan Hickman and we're we're doing the X-Men. We're doing it up and this whole thing. We want you to do X-Force and with Benjamin Percy. Uh, I didn't know Ben at the time, but I definitely knew X-Force. And of course, uh-huh. again, as a child of the image boom, yes, uh, you know, right before that, you know, it was, you know, X. I had New Mutants 99. I had and, you know, I had all those that building up to X-Force. I definitely had at least two or three copies of X-Force number one. <laughs> And so I knew it's like, holy moly. Yeah. And then I get paired up with Ben and we make, we have a phone call, an initial phone call. And we just hit it off right off the bat. Like it was just, we have like the same sensibilities where I think we're about the same age, uh, like our same sensibilities as far as like the movies that we love and that we watch. And we can talk about over and over a, a mixture of eighties action films and adventure films. You know, it's Terminator two, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's, it's all that. And it's, we, we text all day long. My, my wife refers to him as my boyfriend now. So <laughs> yeah, we just go back and forth, just hitting right off each other. And it's just been since the moment we met and it's just been awesome. He's, he's been an amazing collaborator because he immediately asked me like what I want to draw. And here's like, what do you want to draw and what kind of ideas do you have? And he's always been open to anything I've ever mentioned so anytime i email him with just a random thought or text message him it seems like a week or two later he goes oh yeah you know that thing you're talking about yeah well, we're gonna do that as approved by the editors you know and uh so he's he's super conscious about taking my ideas too which i mean that's amazing on my end i never i, I always thought you know i'm just gonna read a script and draw but now i feel like i have a much bigger hand in helping craft what we're gonna be doing Sounds, uh, sounds, sounds like a really collaborative sort of way of work. And just uh, you mentioned there your love for for all things eighties, uh, yeah. Joshua. I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely. That's that's the zone that I that I live in for sure. But I don't know if you're if you're picking up, up any new comics. There's a there's a series out. It'll be coming out in trade very very soon by uh, AWA called Chariot. It's a five issue, yeah. uh, five issue Brian Hill book. And uh, it's it's effectively a retake on Knight Rider. Oh, uh, awesome. I love uh, Bri- I love Brian Hill too. So yeah, so and highly recommend. By the way, your your Karate Kid shirt's pretty awesome. Oh, thanks, thanks very, thanks very much. It's the uh, it's the movie that, that that inspired me to become a, a martial artist uh, on my, in my my other life. So, oh, that's uh, so awesome. And uh, we're all uh, we're all really loving Cobra Kai at the minute. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a way of it's the uh, it's the gateway drug to get my wife into uh, watching their Karate Kid over and over with me. <laughs> it's been playing. It's been playing on local TV like uh, part one and part two back to back like all the time, and even my five year old's all about it, and she loves Daniel Larusso. It's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, Miyagi-Do. That's that's the way I tend to work. Yeah, I mean, bringing it back there to charity, I'm sure you can organize Ben to get you some comp copies, given the work he's doing over at AWA with uh, Year Zero, I believe. So, yep. good title yeah. that we've been uh, we've been pushing quite a bit in the store. I mean, you've you've sort of already answered this a little bit. Um, I mean, I was going to ask about the collaboration process. I mean, we've we've talked to writers and artists before, and sometimes they sort of feel pressure to stay in their own lanes. You know, I write the script, you draw. But it's it's good to hear that it's very collaborative uh, on that end. So, you know, he'll obviously send you a script, and then is it a case of just let me know your your thoughts on your ideas? So it is that a hundred percent pure collaboration between the two of you, then? Yeah, I mean, he has his scripts, and he has. I mean, he he's a. I mean, he writes. You know, he writes. He's a novelist too. You know, he has he has a brand new novel that just came out, and I think it's supposed to be like a trilogy of novels. He writes screenplays, and he writes the the Marvel podcast too. He does. You know, he did the Wolverine, Wolverine podcast, night, the, yeah. the 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 old uh, old man Quill or whatever. That's uh, so he's you know got his hand in things. So he has his ideas of where his stories are going to go, and and he'll always come to me re- really early in in the process of even his outlines of like, hey, this is my basic outline of where I want to go, what I want to do, what do you want to inject in here, what are your ideas on it, thoughts you want to bounce bounce back at me, and it's, I think, number one, it, it, it's it. Yeah, I guess it's it, it's helped my ego to be like, oh, I'm going to be a part of this too. But you know, it's good for him too to be open to to ideas, because you know, it's going to be visual, and you know, he might be thinking it one way, and I can think of it another way. Like, hey, how can we do this? Maybe you know, visual or what would be a cool angle to do this? Not necessarily like the angle of the shot, but just how can we approach the story, or where do we want to go? What 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 settings do we want to do? And who do we want to see? So even just, I think what I, a couple issues ago, uh, Namor appears. And that was just, I think a random idea I had. I'm just like, Hey, what's Namor up to? Why can't we use him? It's <laughs> like, I don't know. Let's go find out. I think, you know, let's go. We have to pass it through Hickman and, and uh, Jordan White and our editors and, and Mark Basso. And, and uh, you know, eventually he comes back with, yeah, we can use them as long as, you know, there's certain ways like you can use them or can't use them. I don't know the ins and outs. I'm just an artist. I'm not involved in all that. You threw the ideas stuff. out, let him deal with the, uh, yeah. yeah, correct. We'll just see what 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 sticks. So, it's it's amazing when he does come back with it. Uh, I feel really. I guess it helps me even to more motivated to draw it instead of just drawing purely just from his script. But although I don't mind because I think he's an amazing writer. Like I think he's incredible. He's playing the long game with X Force and uh, underneath what you know Hickman had built. You know when I first saw that stuff. You know when they first said you're going to do X Force, then they sent me the that. I got to see the first couple issues of uh, House of X and Powers of Ten, and it was mind-blowing. Of course, visually from Arby and Pepe, uh, but then also actually reading the story that that Hickman was building. And um, to be a part of that was just crazy. And I would talk with Ben about where he, you know, fit in X Force as the kind of mutant CIA with a little bit of, you know, the co the, the co uh, covert ops and a little bit of the the getting your hands dirty part of a nation. And, you know, again, relating back to our love of the 80s action movies, that was just right in our wheelhouse. Phenomenal book. I love, I mean, I love what 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 Hickman has been doing with the X books. It feels to me like, you know, whenever you talk about about that, you know, the, the 90s and the image boom and what was happening with, 
with the X-Men books at the time as each one of the books had its own identity. You know, X-Factor was the government-sponsored, X-Force was the paramilitary, you know, Excalibur was the British team that were slightly mystical. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, for me as a, as a long-time X-Fan, the the way that the way that these books have been distributed and characterized and and given their own their own identity just for me harks back to that which to me was the golden age of of x-men you know and the x titles so so yeah it's it's great work and with regard to your to yourself joshua do you i mean from 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 what i'm looking at and what we're seeing in the in the book do you enjoy drawing spreads featuring loads of different characters because you're very good at it um do I love it? No, but I no, but I do. Yeah, I I do. Well, so I think that only the the very first one I even had to do was there was I think the first page or second page of X Force number two was after Xavier had been shot. You know, spoilers for anybody who hasn't read two years in the last two years. But um, Xavier shot, and then there's a crowd of you know most of the mutants on, on Krakoa. You know, I just I basically had to get a uh, I had to write out a long list of who could be there. Like, tell me who can't be there you know, to my editors and okay, I draw it in. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. But what happened was I read X-Men number one and X-Men number one had a scene. Uh, so we're building up this whole island, this whole island of Krakoa. So we get to do some world building on this island. And X-Men number one had this scene in a cafeteria. I think that it was actually the cafeteria on the moon, but just this, something fascinated me about this is where the X-Men, you know, they get up in the morning, they get together and they have breakfast and they have their own cafeteria. In my mind, and I'm a longtime bartender, it was like, well, where, what bar are they going to be at? You know, and I'm like, I got to create a bar in Krakoa, and I'm going to get there first. And uh-huh. so I immediately, immediately, like literally, I think the week of X Men number one came out. I literally, you know, sent Ben. I'm like, let's, we need to do a bar, and it's got to be a tiki bar on Krakoa because it's like a tropical island. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, okay, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see this. Out. And I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm going, I want to see like a giant, crazy scene, like a like the Cantina at Moss Eisley, and it's just these all these different characters, but it's going to be all your favorite mutants, and I just threw it out there, and again, I had mentioned before. So a week or two later, he's like, "Okay, we're gonna do it. You know, it'll be an issue nine by that time because you know everything's been planned out so early." Uh, he's like, "And uh, you're gonna be drawing it. We're gonna be doing the uh, what ended up being the Green Lagoon." The Green Lagoon. And yeah, I had this, I had this idea, and I'm like, "It's got to be a double page spread. It's got to be just something where everyone's just walking in." And what I learned drawing it was, I, I love um, Jeff Darrow's work, and 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 that with all the crazy characters and stuff is to make it interesting is to have like little vignettes all over the place not just people just standing you know it's it's, it's extremely boring you have to have them interacting with each other yeah, you know in yeah. different ways you know they're talking with each other just just their postures and doing you know somebody's looking at an eyeline here like somebody's got a I, I started researching like which x-men dated who you know even <laughs> in the past because like who's their old i saw know, uh... Havoc and Clarus in there having a wee chaps. Yes, there it is. There you go. And she's kind of, he, him and his buddies are having a few too many and being goofy. And she's kind of looking away and kind of in disgust, kind of like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just did that. And that was kind of the secret to unlock that. Of course, it takes me a lot longer. I think it took me a week to draw that. And so since then, it seems like um, maybe Ben seems more inclined, like, hey, maybe we can do another scene. A lot of people. And it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> don't get don't get carried away. Maybe one one every two years. Let's do that. Yeah, great stuff. Lots of lots of Easter eggs in there for for both uh, longtime fans and industry fans. Uh, yeah. Some of those things. But just as an aside from me, if we can find any excuse for you to draw a more strong guy, as per X Force number two, I am good with that. You know, strong guy <laughs> needs to be in more things. 
You got it. Yeah, I suppose yeah, I suppose them into both. I think that that spread and then uh, the uh, the um, the Green Lagoon spread. He's in there, and I think I think I've drawn him another time too. I'm not sure. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. He's one of my one of my favorite D-list characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the thing. I like I had to like really start mining deep, you know, about like some of the characters that I had no idea about. Like I'm like, oh, I like the X Men growing up, but there's just this treasure trove. And what now? What I find out is how there's fans of every character out there. I found out on Twitter now because the moment I just draw a character in the tiniest of backgrounds and it's like the most terrible gestural drawing that you could barely see the character, but as long as he's colored right, I will get thank yous from people who knows from where, just like, thank you for drawing this character. Like, they're my favorite. I'm like, that character is barely, he's not even in the story. They're just in the background. But, you know, I, I, it's great to great to hear that. Like, I'm glad that, you know, this, there's a fan of somebody out there. <laughs> well, I was just going to ask to sort of further expand upon that point. You were saying, you know, splash pages, maybe once every two years, if, if Ben can be nice to you. I was going to ask, is there anything you particularly don't like to draw, you know, or indeed any layout that you sort of dread, you know, nine-panel format a la Watchmen or Tom Keen style, say, or talking head scenes a la Bendis? Is there anything you particularly like seeing a script and go, I'm not particularly looking forward to drawing that? Mm, ben tries to push me in a much more abstract direction all the time, but I, I'm a huge fan of sticking to a very clean very traditional um, grid paneling like you notice i try to keep I, generally when i when i got into the to, to the x books and, and under hickman if you watch if you look at his books uh it's all clean usually all white borders and white uh, gutters and they rarely go full bleed or anything like that it looks clean but and when you look at the trades it's just perfectly clean my style's a little dirty and it's not you know perfectly clean and so having those kind of clean gutters and separations I think really helps my art um, uh, stand out and look a lot better and a lot cleaner than it is because it is really dirty. Uh, so I, I I really like that. And Ben will try to. There's a scene I did in X of Swords where it's just this crazy like scene between I think Solomon and Wolverine just hacking at each other in all these different realms. And every once in a while he'll make me go kind of wacky and you know pretend like I'm taking mushrooms and and coming up with really weird ideas. Uh, and but I try to stick to kind of tra very traditional. But when I do, uh, I will do that, and I'll definitely entertain that. And so I think it has a lot more punch when I do it. So the same thing I think of on the book I'm drawing right now, I, I've gone completely, I did not go full bleed except for one panel in the entire book. And I think that, you know, even subconsciously or consciously to the reader, all of a sudden there's the, 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 the paradigm has shifted now. Like, well, there's something very different. We've gone into another realm or whatever world to them. but. And as you say, like things that I don't like to draw, yeah, there's things, but I, I don't mind talking head scenes because if the dialogue and Ben's really good with character, and I think that's what his strength is with with doing X Force, is each character's very got its own their own personality, and he's so good through the dialogue that I hope I can do now visually, and that's why I like full script because he gives me the full dialogue. I know what they're saying. I I act it out in my head like I'm an actor when I read the script. You know, I will sit here and say the thing and try to capture the emotion that he writes in the description with the uh, the the reader's never going to read his description of the panel but i am i'm going to read the description of like you know uh, black tom is you know feeling frustrated here and so i got to feel like how he's saying this how would i say that and i'll like sometimes i'll take reference pictures of me you know like pinching my nose or my head or um and i actually really like 
talking head scenes as long as there's good, you know, good dialogue and good emotion, you know, to emote. If they're just talking about a cup of coffee, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, the X-Force, I certainly, it's been a long time since I felt the, you know, obviously Domino has a huge connection with Cable, but she's got a history with Wolverine as well. And you can, yep. you can feel that, that history and the, the way they both think. And I have to say, I never thought I would kind of start to like Quentin, you know, have, uh, he's been a, he's, he's always been a pain in the butt, you know, since, uh, since Wolverine and the X-Men and, and, and since, uh, Grant Morrison, but it's only now that I'm kind of, I'm kind of going, okay, I can see his point of view a wee bit. All right. Okay. You know? Yeah. Ben, so. Ben's done that too. I mean, he's again, back to, to like black Tom, you know, he's kind of a character that I didn't really know much about. And I think he's kind of helped revive him and rejuvenate him too. And same with Quentin, he's kind of turned, I think a lot of people, I get a lot of messages about that. Like, Oh, I usually hate that character, but I, I love what you guys are doing with him. And uh, we've been getting that a lot with Quentin and he's fun because again, he has a lot of personality and a a personality that bounces off Wolverine. They're like a perfect, a perfect foil for each other um, in their character wise. And then what he's doing with forge right now too, we're giving him, we're starting to put him out in the field. We're giving him a lot more personality um, he's kind of super bro the way we've done it. And, uh, and again, it back to, uh, our Ben and I's sensibilities and that's what we're doing with our characters. Very, very cool. And it feels, you know, it feels like, you know, some of those characters, especially the likes of Quentin are maybe growing up a wee bit from whatever, because I mean, that's yeah. sometimes the case with comic characters is they're very much stuck in amber. They can move a wee bit one way or the other, but Quentin seems like he's making some, some real growth, you know, with regard to. Yeah, and that's and that's what and that's what Ben's been doing with him, and we I think he even got he got his own like kind of almost solo issue a uh, couple issues back yeah, it is, yeah. where it was just you know he's or not just his, yeah we did that one and another artist uh, Gary Brown jumped in to do a couple more, and just to help that character grow yeah he's not that he's not that little petulant you know teenager anymore he is growing trying to grow up and but he's still you know he's still a pain in the ass yeah very much very much but. Moving on to the uh, to the uh, the Stormbreakers, uh, yeah. How did it feel? Obviously, you were you were inducted into the the Marvel Stormbreakers in in, in twenty twenty, and uh, you know it's a program too, as we we mentioned to to recognise sort of upcoming elite artists. And that, as as Alan said earlier on, that is some company you're keeping there. What has that experience been like? Well, it it's all. I mean, an insane honour. I mean, first, I mean, it's it's the Young Guns program, and it's just you know renamed as the is the young. I'm, I'm extremely happy about that because I am not young, and so I was you know, and so I'm really happy with that name change. But I, I know, a lot you know I know I look up to all those artists who came before me already. You know, I'm already blown away by them. Um, you know, Steve McNiven or uh, Jim Chung, who's just one of my absolute favorites. Uh, yep. There's so many. Pepe, Pepe Larraz, uh, Mike Del Mundo, who just does insane work. And then the company, too, of Iban, Carmen, Peach, Momoko. And I love the different styles, too, of this class. And and it's such an honor to be involved with them. And, and you know, it's worldwide. It's one of those things, again, I sit here in my little corner of my office in my room, you know, my in my office, drawing, and I make something that people see out in the world and and I, and these other artists are doing the same. There's, you know, there's like a bunch of them are from Spain, you know, and Brazil and Peach from Japan. And it's, it's a kind of a cool connection. Like, wow, like I'm 
connected with these people and like even compared to them. And I know like they're just doing incredible work. And I literally look at their work all the time because I get to see their covers coming back as like the group email and, and Stormbreakers stuff. And it, it's super inspiring to see what they're doing and to take little pieces of their style and go like, man, I wish I could draw like them. Like, I wish I could do that. RB Silva, what he does, and he's so clean and, and just amazing work. And Iban does this super dynamic stuff. And Natasha Bustos does this like kind of really cool, kind of cartoony, um, but like kind of the characters look strong though at the same time. And I like I want to incorporate that into my work too. And it was a bummer that it all kind of came out right as like COVID was happening. Like they were, had talked to me about it. They it was kind of me when I signed exclusively, it was kind of like, that was kind of the deal. It was like, we're, we want you to come exclusive with Marvel, but we also want you to be part of this class of, you know, at the time they saying, it's going to be young guns, but we're calling it, we're, 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 we're um, rechanging the name. And it was, it was a bummer. Cause it was right as COVID hit. And when, when we were talking about it and it was like, we were all going to get together and, you know, meet everyone at Marvel and meet everybody else, all the other Stormbreakers, And that would have been super awesome to, to get to know them and, and get to see them. And hopefully, you know, this year, when things open up, we get, we get to do it, but it's, it's an incredible honor. Uh, it feels a little, I am probably no, no different than most artists. I'm extremely critical of my own work and all I see are flaws because I work on some, a page for 15 hours and all I see are the mistakes. And so it's, it's, it's it sounds silly and I'm not trying to ask for compliments or anything like that, but like, I, I just, I don't feel like I'm, I'm at their level or I feel worthy to be, in those names of the one those previous or this class too so you more than deserve uh, to be there sir you more than deserve to be there oh thank you thank you uh, i'll send the check to you uh, as soon as we're done with this call <laughs> That's okay yeah i'll, I'll <laughs> make sure, relevant dollars <laughs> i'll make sure to send the address over to i mean being in the stormbreaker program it must be great as well because it allows you to step out from the x universe a little bit because there, you know as a store obviously i see the order forms i see the stormbreaker variants things like mm -hmm. black panther 25s that kind of thing oh, so yeah. it must be really fulfilling for you in that way as well because you, it allows you to step outside of the x universe yeah and and, and i think the um, um emily newcomers she's kind of heading it is kind of like the editor of and so when they when they come to us like oh you know we have you do this 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 variant cover or hey we're going to do the x-men homage to the jim lee variant to, to the jim lee you know fold open x-men number one cover and they had us do a jam piece of you know we each got a character to do with the new x-men team and then you know as i got to do polaris and but i also got to draw the background too which was really cool but then to see the other artists do their version of their character over and then, like you said, the Black Panther 25, it was like, hey, let's do something different. Let's all do different art styles. Try to go outside of your normal just comic art. And I, I think I went the most out of left field and did um, like a, Byz a Byzantine uh, mosaic of uh, Black Panther. And it ended up taking me way longer than I thought it was going to take. And I decided to hand color it and hand watercolor it myself, too, and try to make it look like a, you know, a Byzantine mo mosaic tile of a black panther drawing and it's just something my normal my normal uh, purview but it was a fun challenge and what does the stormbreakers program feel like from the inside you know is there a lot of sort of promotional help networking you all trying to raise the profile of each other you know what what constitutes a program like that yeah i think you know for for marvel it's to they, they do i think every month or every month i think they have a series of ads um you know with each artist i don't think i've I don't think they've done mine yet, unless that I've, I've missed it. 
and so it shows like you know what what cover you've got this week or or um, what interiors you're doing this month and then you know in social media we've kind of all i feel like a connection because we have some inside emails of like everybody like somebody you'll just checking in like how's everybody doing what's everybody been up to how's everybody holding especially during covid and that's been pretty nice because i get to see it on the other end of the world you know like oh what it was like in spain because when it hit kind of early i think spain was one of the early places where it was, it was pretty bad too and so there's that connection too and uh, we've even on twitter uh like excited to see their work and see what they're doing. I already see some of it early on and, but just to, you, you hype them up, but not just because that, but like, they're just amazing artists and you're just like, there's nothing better than like sharing it and, and talking them up because they're incredible and I want more people to see their work. So it's really, really fun to see that and to have that kind of connection with a very isolated, you know, industry. I'm not like I did, I've gone to a lot of conventions, right. Growing up, but I haven't done a lot of conventions as a professional. I've never, I've never sat down and like outside of the very first thing, I've never sat down at a booth and sold anything. Um, I've kind of done a couple panels and like a couple interviews and stuff here and there, or signing here and there. But I haven't really done that, so I don't have many friends in this industry at all. Like I, I and I went from the most sociable job as a bartender, literally, like you have to be to like the most <laughs> yes. anti, the most anti-social job where I'm sitting here with a piece of paper and a pencil in front of me. Uh, so it is kind of nice to have that a little bit of a connection, a little bit of um, a little bit of social connection. And again, ho hopefully eventually we, we get together at some point. Yeah. I, I certainly hope so. Um, always say that, that, uh, that Tenton bar is, is one of those jobs that teaches you a lot about life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you, you become am amateur um, psychologist, amateur therapist for a lot of people find that a lot in our store as well because as well as being a comic store we have coffee and sit-in facilities and stuff and i almost feel like we've replaced the bar sometimes you know with people's yeah. you know issues and so forth so it's uh it's it's always nice to lend a kind ear as they say yeah absolutely i i, I could see that it's people you can read people and if they want to talk they'll talk and you know you, that's you know i'll sit there and talk about whatever they want and um that's something that now yeah, I guess I, I don't really do that anymore now. Now I'm just stuck drawing a Wolverine all day long. <laughs> and, uh, and speaking of, uh, of fantastic, fantastic talent, you stepped into the rather large shoes of Ryan Stegman, penciling a few issues of his and Donny Cates' heralded Venom Run. How was, yeah. how was that? Was there a temptation to try and, and work close to Ryan's style, or did you want to make your own mark on that title? How was that experience? Yeah, it was, you know, they had me jump on. It's like jump on to this number one he's an amazing artist and he's also hilarious so i already respect him that way I, just anybody who can be who's who's just funny and, and self-deprecating and, and and all good humor but also you know he he's hilarious i already, I already followed him on twitter uh and then daddy cates who's a great writer uh i didn't try to, to ape the style or anything i just they hired me to come in and just do my thing um, of course, I looked at everything before me and I, I got to read, you know, and catch up on what they were doing on Venom. And it's like, it's amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, and I got to actually draw a really cool part of it with Eddie and, and the symbiote kind of having it out at each other and a good like emotional moment. And I think it really hit to my strengths as far as the way I draw and uh, my characterization and stuff. So I just did my thing and I just hoped it was up to that level. You know, you just hope and pray you're not the... The downgrade like they're like oh stegman's off this issue i'm passing on this one i want people to be like oh cool like this is it's not stegman but it, you know it looks cool in its own right so that was pretty awesome 
uh, just to do that. And again, I think it, it, it played into my strengths and I was really happy. Like I, I work with those editors and I was actually working on a Venom book, one of the Venom one shots. Uh, was it the one with, I forget, but that's, I actually had to jump off that book to do X-Force. I was in the middle, I drew like the first couple pages and they're like, hey, we got this thing for you. And I'm like, I don't wanna jump a book, you know, like I don't wanna be like somebody who just jumps ship, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm now doing Venom stuff. Like this is, you know, but they're like, no, we've already, you're not just, we've already talked with all the editors about this sort of thing. And this is you to come to X-Force number one. So I had to jump out of the Venom universe, out of the Venomverse and uh, into, uh, into Mutant Land. That was uh, one of the Web of Venom books, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a lot of the one shots throughout the the Venom run. So from Venom to then to Falcon, I mean, we were we were lucky enough to chat to Rodney Barnes on a previous episode. Yeah. You know, Philadelphia's phenomenal piece of work. We're we're big big fans, and yes. he has a very interesting relationship with his artists. As we also chatted to Jason Sean Alexander, and he will certainly attest to uh, how he was working with Rodney on on Falcon. Actually, I mean, it was it was awesome. Like Rodney and I still we still will message each other and talk with each other. We have like a really good relationship. He, it was his first, you know, I mean, he did like a, like a Marvel one shot book and then they were, they were going to hand him the keys to Falcon. And I dabbled in, you know, I haven't done much yet. I did some kind of fill-ins and all of a sudden they're like, Oh, you're going to do Falcon number one. He's going to get his own book. And, you know, it was like this new Alex Ross design and I got in, you know, contact with Rodney. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, thankfully we hit it off really well. You know, we got we actually got together even in person and stuff like that. And we could talk things over, and uh, it's he just kind of let me go too. He was never like super critical of anything. He's like, D- you know, you do what you got to do, and you got to do what you want to do with this with this story. You know, don't take my take my script as a basic guideline, and um, and I just kind of take him around with that too. And you know, we got to run. T- unfortunately, you know, we didn't get to do. We had a lot more plans to go with Falcon, and, and unfortunately, we weren't able to finish out what we wanted to do with that character. But he's, he's, he's a great writer and a good friend. And I love Kill. Like, regardless of of my my uh, acquaintance to Rodney, like, Kill is an amazing book, and Jason Sean Alexander is an amazing artist too. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, with, with Rodney, he's based in California as well, isn't he? So it must have been nice yeah. for you to get that face to face time, and as opposed to always through a computer screen. Yeah, that's that's something that Ben and I like. We still haven't met yet. It's been we've been working together for that's two crazy. years now, and absolutely crazy. Yeah, and yeah, we got to get together. Actually, I think the plans are we'll finally get together. I think in September, or October, this year. So finally, have a drink together. Phenomenal, phenomenal. And uh, if you're talking to Rodney, please tell him his friends in Belfast were asking for him. Absolutely, I will. Actually, I was going to text him this week. So. Yeah, Rodney's an interesting one because I, I I'm I've never been more nervous about doing an interview than Rodney because. <laughs> You know, he he had won Grammys and he had won you know t- yeah. television awards and I'd read a lot of his uh, his interviews in advance. I always try and get a sense of what people are like, and a lot of his oh, answers yeah. were short and succinct and to the point. And I thought to Keith, I was like, we're not going to get any information out of him. Um, and holy crap, yeah. we must have talked to him for about two hours in the end. <laughs> it's great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's something. I mean, him and I, we would too. He would just he would just call me kind of out of the blue and we would just talk, you know, sometimes about like the reaction to the book and, and man, where we want to go with it. You know, he, he wanted to go like this cool, like mystical realm, which, you know, Falcon, that's not usually like a Falcon kind of thing. And, and we would talk it out. And then of course, yeah, the other projects he's involved in and the stuff that he's done, you know, his early stuff with like boondocks. And so he's got a great comedic sensibility too. And 
we just we're able to 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 feed off each other like that but he's yeah i get him we just sit there and and chit chat he's he's a great guy to sit there and talk to yeah that he was uh, he certainly was he certainly was a he certainly was a was a was a great fella, and uh, we'd uh, we say we're we're following Philadelphia, and uh, next art just started, and we're we're absolutely absolutely loving it. So uh, anyway, let's uh, let's nip back to uh, let's nip back to X Force, and and the 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 X Men universe, you know, and uh, and the, the mutant side of the the Marvel universe. What was your first X Men experience? Some back issues, I think. Uh... In the, just like the quarter bin when I was when I was when I first went to a comic shop, I think my brother had bought, started going because we you know we buy them off the spinner rack at the local liquor store, a comic book shop, and there would be the, the just the back issue bins, and I started buying Fantastic Four and X Men issues, all back uh, back issues of those. So those were like my two early favorites. And then my brother got, you know, it was a little, it was it was published years before, but it was a little more expensive. But he bought um, Wolverine number one, the one with them. Um, on the cover, I think this Jambasima cover where he's just standing on a pile of bodies and stuff. So that's like the first indelible image to me of an X-Men and especially Wolverine, which I get to, you know, I get to handle pretty much every day yeah. now. It's interesting. After after House of X and Powers of Ten, you know, as, as a comic store, we'll always try to guide people, you know, what titles to jump on and so forth. And, and I think everyone was expecting X-Men number one to be the most important book after House and Powers. Mm. But we would tell people that X-Force number one was actually the most important because that first issue had the death of Charles Xavier. Um, I mean, how was drawing that? I mean, do, do you feel a lot, of, a lot of pressure to deliver in those big moments or do you just treat it like another page? No, um, no I definitely feel the pressure. We kind of knew this was kind of the biggest moment that's going to happen. And I wish... Like, like anything, like the, even the project I'm doing now, I wish I had months or a year ahead of time to prepare. But usually with these sorts of things, you're working on a book and then it's like, hey, jump over here, let's go. You know, let's do this. And it's, you know, you think you'd hope I'd have all this prep work to get myself mentally going. I wish I could do my thumbnails over and over and just fine tune things. But you really just have to go on the fly. You know, I'm on deadlines and you just have to go. So there's sometimes where maybe there's a moment, like a big spread or something early. I might not do if I don't feel like I'm ready for it. And so I'll skip it and maybe come back to it or an important moment or like an important emotion that I will actually hold off on drawing because I'm like, I need to actually feel the story as I'm drawing it. Like I said, I kind of act out things in my head. I read the script like and I'm an actor. Like, how would I act this out? So sometimes I will go through it and wait till I actually hit the emotion. So if it is that last page, I will wait till the last page too. Because I, I've, you know, there's some other artists who will jump to write to like the most interesting drawing they can think of. So that moment... I actually redrew. I actually redrew it two or three times. The very first, um, uh, so Xavier gets shot, and the last pages of him dead. Yeah. You know, and I actually drew a full page of him on the ground, hole in his head, and it just wasn't working for me. I'm just like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't know what it is. I don't like this drawing. I don't know. It just doesn't sell it for me. And I'm trying to. I'm coming up with different sketches, and I threw it out. We throw it out to the to the. I throw it out to Ben. Of course, he's my first check and my editors, Mark and uh, Lauren, and I think at the time it was Jordan White, but we, but we also have the writers, the X writers are all on together, by the way, like they have their own Slack or whatever it is, with, you know, Hickman leads it, and so they're always in contact and throwing ideas around, and so it's funny, like when I message Ben about any of my ideas, he'll come back with like, oh, Tinny says this, or, you know, Hickman says this about my idea that I said wow. yesterday or something, which, <laughs> so it's really cool to get feedback on that, and, and really immediate, actually. 
Um, just like those crowd scenes, it's like, hey, who wants to see who standing next to who on those crowd scenes? You know, any ideas, any and whatever. So, I think Hickman came back with the note of like, why don't you just why don't you just draw the helmet? And ah. I was like, oh, it's perfect. Like it, it's absolutely perfect. And it's one of those things that it is a collaborative effort. I'm like, oh, you you don't know what you're talking about, Jonathan Hickman, master <laughs> of the universe. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I I don't uh, I don't I don't say that. Uh, he's uh, by the way, I love I love Hickman. I love East of West, and I was already a huge fan of his before uh, I got to kind of indirectly work with him. But uh, yeah, it was I think one of his notes like, how about let's just show a shattered helmet? So that was it, and that didn't become the final drawing. So there is a there is an unpublished uh, final drawing of uh, Professor X lying there dead that it'll be out there some at some point, maybe in like some <laughs> special edition. Fantastic. I mean, and I mean, you were talking about you were talking about uh, Jonathan Hickman and the you know that guiding that guiding force and the and the plans, but obviously you know the you know from the from the, the powers of the powers of ten and the, the you know House of X, there's been some hopping in and out of of, of your own story, your own X Force story, to to hop onto X of Swords and Hellfire Gala, which is sort of out at the minute. And certainly, not I, I love this stuff. I absolutely love it. I love the drawn together of the you know all the X titles and those crossovers. It's not for everybody. How has it been for you? You know, hop having to hop in and out of your I guess your your story or your narrative in order to in order to take part in those those events or crossovers i think the only frustrating thing for me is, is just an artist is i wish i could draw faster because i just want to tell more story like i wish i wish i didn't have we have to have a fill-in artists at all i wish i drew every single page because i i know even when i'm not drawing the issue ben and i still have we talk about what we where we want the, where we want this story to go you know within our parameters of course we have our grand scheme but also we get a lot of room to play with too you know and and you know Ben's the main force with it. You know Jonathan Hickman's set up this basic rubric of this world, but we get to play in it now. And and mm -hmm. Ben's got, you know, he wants to go this way. And but I, I'm I'm definitely a part of it, even when there's other artists. And I wish I could just draw faster. And number one, I'm just not the fastest artist, not fleet of foot. But and my style doesn't lend to it too. Like I I, I draw a little more detail than. And uh, again, I'm just slow. I'm slow as molasses, and I just wish I could draw. So I don't mind. I don't mind those books. I just wish I could draw every single part. I wish I could draw every issue, and I don't mind. I like the I like the interjection of of these things because it it challenges me. Like the Ten of Swords, my issues they got you know they forced me to get a little more trippy and a little a little wild, and draw some other characters I wasn't going to draw before. You know, I got to draw Magic versus Pogger Hog to like a, a silly like arm wrestling contest, which isn't fair. And draw. Oh, I got to draw. I got to draw Storm having a drink with Wolverine. You know, in a bar, and I got to all of a sudden make a bar with a thousand bottles behind it. You know, in the back bar, and and that's just fun because you get to draw things that you didn't think you were going to be drawing. You know, when I'm thinking I'm going to be drawing X Force, all of a sudden we're jumping into that, or just even the the Hellfire Gala. It's like, hey, we're gonna. You know, they're going to be the security team. You know, what are you going to have them? But we want them to have kind of the same kind of uniform. Okay, and I just went out there and just did bolo ties because I'm like Ben and I, are like. We like a little bit of a more Western influence and in, in yes. stuff, so uh, like that was Ken fun Burns. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> back to the West. It all comes full circle, doesn't it, Keith? Yeah, I mean, I love that. I really love the way they're the way Hellfire Gala has been plotted. You know, seeing the same night, the same points. You know, from various different points of view. You know, and uh, even that, even that, that moment between Tony Stark and Quentin uh, was was great stuff. You know, and but but seeing the different points of view is is just uh, is just phenomenal stuff. Very much enjoying that at the minute. Oh, thank you. Thank you for reading, man. 
Yeah, so I suppose just the, the final question, just to nip the, the X stuff in the bud then, would be, you know, do you have a, a favorite X-Man character, you know, or do you have a favorite X-Men story? And, and I suppose the best question to ask would be, do you have a favorite X-Men artist? Oh, man. Sorry to um, put you in the spot just like that. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Hard to look past the artist edition by Jim Lee. Yeah. yeah. Jim Lee, artist edition. You know, that's, again, what am I, 12 years old right here, reading this, you know, yeah. reading this stuff for the first time. And that's that's going to be the biggest influence on me and it's tough for me to kind of compete with that uh, about who as far as x-men artists um right now you, you know but right now i think of pepe laras i think pepe laras is the best artist in the industry right now and it's tough for me to say there's it's there's so many amazing artists and i love every single artist i follow on twitter mm-hmm. they're all incredible but i think pepe's perfect for the x-men i think he's just like i've seen him draw other stuff and it's not that it's not that it's bad at all. He's he's an incredible artist. I think he's literally the perfect fit to draw the X Men and the the X Men characters. So uh, I love watching him do what he does. And as far as like my favorite characters, I think Mystique is my favorite mutant. Um, looks wise, her character, um, kind of every part of her uh, her attitude. And I like kind of where she fits in in the in this as the whole overarching. Um, mm cohen storyline right now mm-hmm. uh so that makes her even cooler so any chance i think i've only gotten to draw her just a few times but i try to squeeze her in if i'm ever able to i can draw her and of course i mean a uh, wolverine i'm not gonna i know it's it's the easy answer but it's wolverine so i mean there's a reason he's such a such a popular character you know but uh yeah. Yeah, I think there, there's big things coming for for, for Mystique and Krakoa, Destiny, and uh, and then some of the stuff that's coming up with, I believe it's been termed Inferno. Uh, no comment. No comment. Okay, perfect. That was a nice we're try, gonna... Keith. That was a nice try. <laughs> you have to, you have to, you have to try. You have to try. We're we're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna start winding up, Joshua. We've taken sure. a, a lot of your time. You've been very very generous. Uh, so we'll just get down to the last few few questions and, and let you get on with your day. So you're obviously hip deep in the in the X Men universe at the moment. Any beyond that, any characters or titles you'd you'd really like to work on in the future? Um. Well. So I'm working. I'm currently uh, working on, I'm not working on X-Force anymore. Not right now. Um, I'm currently drawing what we've dubbed, uh, our code name is uh, Project Mayhem. I can't tell you what the title is. We probably won't come out with it until, uh, I think, early fall is probably when they're going to announce it. So uh, I am working with Benjamin Percy, though. So we're, we're the Good team here. We're Good still, here. yeah, we're still together. We're still together. And so that's kind of, we've, we've alluded to that on Twitter. So that's no, no secret, but we are definitely working on a book. I can't really say anything beyond that. Um, but it's, it's the coolest story that I've ever drawn. And I'm literally looking up the, literally looking at the last page of the first, uh, extra size issue right now. And on my desk. You're, you're, you're quite quite a tease, sir. Quite a tease. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I think you learned that one from Rodney here's, because here's he had a. You can't see that. I, I think you've learned that one from Rodney because he was telling us about all these big plans for Philadelphia, and I'm looking at this cork board right now in front of me, and that's out this year. That's I can't tell you anything about it. That's out this year. That's out this year. We got the yeah. You you guys are all the same. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously not the push on it. I mean, is that creator owned work or is that something within the Marvel universe? 
No, I'm 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 betrothed to Marvel for the next few years, so I'm I'm I've signed exclusively with Marvel. Uh, that's why that's part of like being like in the Stormbreakers. I think every one of us are exclusive with Marvel for I think approximately two years. I don't know what everybody's contracts are or something. So I'm with them. It's within the Marvel universe, but that's all I can say at the moment. Okay. Well, I'm gonna throw out a dream question then. I suppose since you're so exclusive to Marvel, but. We, we, we sort of joke in the podcast, we both read everything. We both read Marvel, DC, lots of yeah. indie books, but I'm known as the DC guy. Keith's known as the Marvel guy, as if you couldn't have guessed by his X-Men knowledge. Um, would there ever be like a dream project to work on for DC? Is there, is there characters you look at there and think, I would love to, to, to work on that? You see, you know, everybody says Batman. I, I think I could draw a pretty cool Batman, but I, I'm weirdly in love with Animal Man. Nice choice. Um, and I think that really comes from me being younger and look at the Brian Boland covers. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, he's in one of my top 10 artists of all time. And so I think that's what made me love um, that, that, that book and that character. And I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think I read too much of it. It was more about just looking at the covers. And then I was always kind of like bummed on the interior right, when it wasn't Brian Boland drawing the art on the interiors. Um, but like, you know, him on uh, the, the Killing Joke and stuff like that. So he's a big influence on me. So maybe that's as far as DC uh, is probably where I would want to want to draw. I don't know, kind of a little bit out of left field. If I could uh, ever recommend one run to read, if you like Animal Man, the Jeff Lemire scripted, Steve Poo drawn, New 52 run mm-hmm. is incredible. Yep. Yeah, I read the, I have, I have, it. I think I have the, the first collection, the first one there too, but. I mean, any plans for creator-owned work? Um, Are you happy in the Marvel bubble? I'm happy in the Marvel bubble. I mean, of course, you always want to create your own thing. Um, You always want to do, you know, I have plenty of ideas. And and with writers I've worked with, too, you know, we've talked about ideas, too. And maybe just I do my own. Like, I started by just kind of writing my own little silent book. And, of course, I, I, I bounce around ideas in my head. But that's something I so I can pitch in could pitch at marvel or do my own thing but right now i actually love i love being in actually the x office right now and, and doing the mutant stuff for sure like it's just again i'm i'm getting to play in that that sandbox that i loved as a kid and i'm sure that's just that's just such a great draw like every artist that does end up at marvel that's it, yeah it, your little your little dreams come true like if i told my my 12 year old self or even my 21 year old self that i'd be doing that it'd be it'd be pretty cool yeah, that must be that. That would be a dream, I guess, for your for yeah. your younger self. Uh, certainly, if you've been, as you said, you you started in the enjoying these things as a as a kid. So I would say I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Um, are there any? I mean, you've mentioned a lot of a lot of collaborators, a lot of a lot of creators and, and people you appreciate. Are there any creators out there whose work at the moment you're particularly enjoying? You know, anything take your fancy over the last couple of years? everything <laughs> i know it's it's so hard to say and i think i you know i'm i'm active on twitter my wife had started like an instagram i don't really do instagram but i follow on twitter and my main thing i, I do it for work and have a back and forth with fans which is a really cool thing especially once i i i, I didn't really do twitter until like only like since i started doing like the x book and there was a great back and forth with the fans but i, I really do it just to like follow other artists to see what people are putting out there and it's just incredible like i i don't even want to put anybody's name out there like there's so many like we talked about the stormbreakers like what they do but mm. I, I i can't even i'm obsessed with so many artists and i want to <laughs> draw and i want to draw like them every single one of them like i wish i could you know like my favorite all-time artist he's not that active on twitter but 
I guess when it comes down to if I had to pick one artist, I, I want to be, I, I want to be John Cassidy and is oh, kind of, been, yes. he's kind of been my favorite all time artist. I, when, Cause there's something very timeless and classic about his work too. And of course I love his run on astonishing X-Men and that's been a big influence on me as I've drawn, you know, I've, I've actually had to draw a lot more Colossus. I'm starting to get, I started to draw Colossus more lately. And, and I love looking at his version of Colossus and, I'm a huge fan. I think you talk about my favorite DC book. My favorite indie book of all time is maybe Planetary. I, but the, yeah, the current people like on Twitter. I, again, there's there's too many names to even throw throw out there. Uh, bringing bringing two of your loves together. Uh, John Cassidy did a fantastic run on the Lone Ranger. Uh, for cool. I think it was Dynamite. Yeah. Was, was it Dynamite? Dynamite. It was Dynamite. Dynamite. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So so cool. Uh, yeah. So cool. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I agree on on Twitter. I mean, I. Before we opened the store, we've just recently celebrated our fourth anniversary. And before we opened the store, I was so close to leaving social media. It's just, you know, I, I think it has too much of an impact on our lives. But one of the good things with Twitter is you choose who to follow. And I use it yeah. just to follow artists, just to follow creators, to see what's coming out. And as you say, the sheer wealth yeah. of, of stuff coming out at the moment. I mean, I, I don't think it's too much of an exaggeration to say we are in a golden age at the moment of storytelling. And indie I companies are doing just as well as the big two. Yeah, I really think so. Like I, I was just like a, a cover that like Declan Shalvey just did. I think he posted yesterday, and I was like, it's so. I, I, he's another. He's a big influence on me too. Like I'm a and he, and I, I have a decent back and forth with him on on Twitter. Like I don't know. I don't even know. I just I'm just a fan of his work, you know. And I comment on his stuff, and it's like, God, this is so cool. And it's cool to have that conversation with you. I'm completely inspired by you. I mean, I mean, technically, I'm one of your peers. But I'm always looking up to like all these people too, and and it's and it's a constant, you know. I, and I just every little thing, like I know how much work goes into this this job too. And so when I go to the comic shop, when I actually get to go back to a comic shop, uh, I don't think my local one's even open still. And I I'm I love seeing all of it on the shelves, and I love seeing like you said, there's I think we're in a golden age of storytelling, the different styles now, like. You know, there's a lot of house. There's there's a house DC style and a house kind of Marvel style, but even within those, like even within Marvel and DC, combined with all the indie books, there's so many different art styles out there. You know, and I hope, I hope I have my own style. I hope I'm, you know, I hope I'm not a. I feel like I'm just a copy of all my influences, and and you know, you hope to be unique in your own way. And I love looking and going to the shop and looking at everything and how people are telling a story and just selling an image you know like this is whether it's the cover or the interiors like i'm obsessed with with seeing what they do yeah we uh we have a we've, we've interviewed declan a, a couple of times over lockdown yeah. uh and uh the last time out we uh we spoke to himself and rory mcconville uh mm-hmm. on the time before time book from from yeah. the second issues just come out uh lovely lovely people lovely guys um so yeah. we're, we're we're looking forward to meeting them hopefully in person at some point in the in the nearer future <laughs> yeah me, me too absolutely <laughs> yeah i think that could be an interesting uh discussion around a pint uh, in a nice bar in belfast i can tell you open invitation <laughs> right there so uh but yeah i mean we we're, we're coming to the end again you've you've been exceptionally generous for your time we i was going to say we always finish our interviews by asking about your favorite titles but you've been answering it all the way here i mean clearly john cassidy is is the man for you when it comes to dc marvel and indy yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, when it came, yeah, I guess when it came down to it, yeah, he was just, yeah, yeah, I, 
there's so many influences and it's tough for me to ever pick and I hate ever in saying that, but I, I guess I always default towards, yeah, a lot of the books that he did and just as my, my, my main influence. I don't think I, if I look at my art now, I don't really think I draw like him necessarily, but I think it's just kind of the way that I just, the, the way he's in a, you know, has told the story, just like I said, like Frank quietly, just the same thing as I think about how he has told the story because I become as much, you know, artists, you always want to draw something really cool and like, oh, this is really cool rendering. But at the end of the day, we're we're here to tell a story to you. And uh, and that's the most fun. Like covers are are a lot of fun and cool. It's like, oh man, it feels like you can bang on a cover and a cool idea. But man, there's nothing better than reading a script for the first time. It's literally my favorite moment in the entire process is when I get a script from, I actually literally got a script from Ben last night for my next issue. And it's my favorite part of the process. I literally am reading this for the first time and a lot of the ideas that end up in the book are in there and just in my first read that just pop in my head. I don't even need to sketch them out because once I've read it, I already know where I'm going to go with this sort of thing. And it's just, it's like, it's a movie playing out in my head for the first time. Well, we'll very much look forward to the announcement of uh, Project Mayhem in its actual form <laughs> and to reading it as well, because something we, we preach at the at the store is never to follow crea- uh, never to follow characters, follow creators. And, you know, we have a lot of X-Force fans in store, so uh, we'll be pushing them your way for Project Mayhem as well then. So, well, I, thank you. I, I, re- I hope uh, I hope uh, I get to uh, to come in, uh, come out to your store. I would love to. To be honest, we'd love to see you in Belfast, Joshua. We'd love to. You'd be more than welcome. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap it up there. I'll uh, take Ben. Well, Ben and I will come out here. Perfect. <laughs> well, definitely, because we got to hear this deep voice competition between the two of you. So, uh, I don't have one, man. I sound like a tiny mouse compared to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Expectations are high then. So, excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. As I say, keep up the amazing work. As Keith said, it's it's because of creators like yourself that the, the last year and a half has been a bit more tolerable for us, uh, us comic fans. Absolutely. Cheers, everyone. So I've been Alan Taylor, and this has been Keith Miller. You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes, and on Twitter, where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes One, and I'm a Scannison Zero Zero. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop, and community hub in Northern Ireland, based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.